0: What's up, warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I am your host, Chris. Today, I have a very special guest for you. She has been in my journey of healing since day one, since before the Facebook group. She is currently a moderator in our Facebook group, and she is one of my dear friends who is all the way in Alaska. Tina, how are you? I'm good. So happy to have you here. And today we're going to be talking uh, about Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, You know, September is a very near and dear month to my heart because, you know, uh, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, uh, you know, I'm not a victim. I am a survivor and I'm proud of my journey. You know, Uh, maybe not some of the decisions, uh, but I'm proud of where I am now, proud that I can hold this platform and. Have people like you on this podcast so thank you so much for doing this.
1: You're welcome.
0: Um, so before we get started I just wanted to kind of give like an announcement on certain days throughout the month from uh, for the set for September. So it just passed uh, August 31st was National Overdose Awareness Mo- uh, Day and now the month of September is National Recovery Month so if you have somebody who has addiction problems or struggles, you know, reach out to them, man. Like I know how hard it is to have addicts in your life, whether it's family, whether it's friends. And I I couldn't stress enough to be there for them the best you can. I know it's hard. Um, And then of course, like I said, um, national suicide prevention month, uh, which is why we're here today. So today we're going to do an interview style podcast. Uh, She has, Tina has a blog and we're going to be talking about, you know, just her journey in mental health and what suicide prevention and <clears throat> all means to her. So let's get started with the first question. So when you look at the impact of this month uh, has had on the mental health community, it's created a lot of awareness all over social media and nonprofit organizations. What does this month mean to you in terms of mental health?
1: Um, One of the primary things that always um, that I love about it is the word prevention is in everything, that it's not necessarily focusing on um, what could happen, but helping it not happen. Um, and that there's, um, I really appreciate that there's not one con- uh, steadfast cure for all. If, you know, suicide prevention, you just do this, this is good. It, it, it doesn't work that way. Everybody's history is different. Everybody's trauma is different. Everybody's coping is different. Um, So I really appreciate when agencies and resources are multiple um, because it allows people to find whatever resource works for them and um, have options. So as far as social media goes, uh, it's one of the positives of social media for me. Um, It opens up conversations for example. Um uh, what we're doing, um, but also it allows people to share stories in their own way, in their own words, with their own limits, um, and I really, really enjoy that a lot of the mental health conversations now involve people, um, um, I don't want to say of power, but of, of notoriety, famous people. Um, which brings more attention to it's okay to get help or speak out. So I, I, I have a lot of things I do this month personally because it's important to me.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on something that I feel is super important to always hear from everybody in this community or just anybody who's not really familiar with the journey of mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's trauma is not the same. And I want to stress that message time and time again, because it's something that I feel social media is bad for is, Oh, well, you got a broken leg. Why well, broke my, I broke my arm, my back, and you know, like 20 other uh-huh. things. And mm-hmm. it kind of makes that like competition for people. And it's, it's everything, but a competition, you know, we're all going through this journey together. Or we're all trying to find ourselves, uh, you know, cause we're on borrowed time. You know, Mm -hmm. tomorrow isn't promised and Mm -hmm. your trauma is valid. My trauma is valid. My next door neighbor's trauma is valid. It's not Mm -hmm. a competition. And like you were saying with social media, with people of notoriety and, you know, just have their name out there for social media. Mm -hmm. It's incredible to see how many people are willing to be there for each other. And I'm just grateful that we're at this point in our life where we can openly talk about mental health. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid in, in 2014, I'm uh, not 2014, like 2006, when I was struggling and I first started discovering I had those struggles, it wasn't okay to talk about that stuff. It was, oh, well, if you have these thoughts, you're going to be, be locked away and you're going to have to take mm-hmm. all these pills and Fast forward to 2022, and we're in such a positive place. Whether it's social media, uh, music—it's you know, of course, there's still a little bit of a taint uh, in music in terms of like uh, uh, ignorantly uh, using language that isn't you know uh, I'm trying to think of the word that doesn't like look out for for people's feelings. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, okay, yeah. Like I'm not saying obviously to walk on eggshells when you're writing uh, a song, but you know, there's just certain ways to word certain things. Like to me, jokes about suicide aren't funny. Jokes about mm-hmm. you know, taking
1: your own life isn't funny, and that's just uh, yeah. You know, my my little, I guess, irritation is when it's referred to as crazy. Yeah, it's just I don't like the word, and I don't like the word normal. Right. Yeah, and Those two things is kind of like, you're really, you're really doing, it's, it's kind of judgment and it's just yeah. kind of like, it's, it doesn't promote healing. It doesn't promote, um, it doesn't promote courage to share exactly or to do anything else. And courage is necessary in order to get yourself in a place where you can be okay with um, what's going on. I had a, um, in my teens, you were talking about when you were younger, I knew something was different with me and I'm not going to give the year, but um, (laughs) I knew something was, you know, different and off with me quite young. And at 16, I remember having a, being pulled into a room with a psychiatrist person. And he said, "Um, okay, what can we do to fix you? So your family's not so screwed up. And I remember sitting there in a vulnerable age in my life thinking, um, if I didn't already feel bad enough, that did not help.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I really, really just was kind of like, why would you assume that the one that's trying to get help should be labeled the problem? Okay, so um, I remember I immediately did what you call surface sharing with him. I never got into anything deep, never got really, but so much help because I, I didn't feel like he even acknowledged the reality of where I was. Right. So, yeah, what you hear, how you speak to people, it is paramount yes. to progress. Yep. Language is so important. And
0: yep. that's something that I didn't recently discover because I, I kind of in the back of my head already knew there are certain ways to talk to people. But that phrase language matters specifically mm-hmm. stuck out to me because The very first time I think I had counseling, I was in sixth grade. So I was now 13. No, no, maybe younger than that. Um, I don't remember how how old I was, but it was shortly after my parents divorced. And Mm. I was going through that being eight years old at one point, my parents divorced to getting uh, the tug of war treatment between my parents and just basically trying to adjust to life without my parents being together. And I remember getting pulled into a guidance counselor's office, I think, maybe once or twice. And I don't remember it having any significant uh, uh, effect on me because, you know, fast forward to ninth grade, I was still probably just as bad, if not worse, uh, mentally. And it wasn't until, shit, 27 years old before I started actually finding resources for myself. So, huh. It's incredible to see where we have ended up uh, all these years later, mm-hmm. in terms of just speaking to each other and yes you know, watching the language that we say to each other it's it's incredible yes so much self awareness obviously we have so much more to more to go, of course, but we're I think we're in a pretty good place in terms of where society is with mental health mm. um. So when I first created this podcast, trying to come up with the fitting name, and "Voice for the Voiceless" came to mind. What does that title mean to you? Because I know we kind of touched on that a little bit, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it now.
1: Uh, the title means everything, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the, it, it's it's like it's like a a, a two part concept for me. One is voice for the voiceless is people who aren't heard. Um, but more importantly, my personal experience has been I couldn't speak, so it's voiceless because you don't know what to say, how to say it, how to explain, how to ask for help, um, you know. And then there's the vo- people who can feel voiceless because there's no one listening. And so I love the title of that because. Um, Every every guest is speaking for somebody who isn't able to yet or doesn't know how. And that is significant in people trying to find their voice, their strength, their words. Um, it took me years to say anything other than I'm sad. I didn't understand angry. I didn't understand depressed. I didn't understand um, irritated. No, I'm just sad. And that was, it was like sadness was the umbrella, all the other feelings hit under. <laughs> right. um, and it took me forever to, to find um, a way to say that I'm something other than sad um, or that you have made me feel blank. It's just, so the other thing I, the voiceless, um, the shared part of it is the importance that people need to understand that it is not, there's no instant fix. You know, healing is, you know, the little quote that says healing is not linear. Well, neither was your trauma. It wasn't a straight line. It wasn't, you know, it's it's, everybody's journey is different. And it's important because one of the reasons I do what I do is that I hope that a note, a sentence, a chapter or whatever of my story somebody can take a piece of and write their own towards living successfully with mental illness. And that's why it's, it, it's, it's more important for me to speak than it is to be nervous or cautious or worried um, because that kept me silent. And one of the most powerful quotes I ever heard from me was that um, silence gives power to shame. And you can't heal if you're quiet. You can't. Um, you can't take what's in you out without speaking. You've got to, you've got to get it out. And just, you just, you know, the important factors. Make sure you're speaking to whoever is actually listening.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think sometimes when people speak out, they're met with um, people don't listen, people don't get it, people who are critical. So they don't see the value in trying again, but that just keep trying. So you find somebody who will listen.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I I wanna, wanted to uh, make it a point to mention this on a podcast, but you know, since we had the the voiceless uh, conversation, um, I just wanted to say, I remember when I first met you and you were, I know you were very like, reserved you know to yourself like you said you Mm -hmm. had no voice Mm -hmm. fast forward almost three years I have never met somebody who has progressed so much in their in their character and in their being than you have and I I mean that from the bottom of my heart I think you are one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met and the fact that you have been able to build yourself up to the point of of speaking out and sharing your story, what little pieces you have so far speaks volumes. And this, this podcast, uh, being able to give you the platform to speak for those people who are at once in your position is massive impact. You've had a great impact on my life. I, I just wanted to let you know that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you for sharing that.
0: And, and I'm, I'm really happy that out of everybody who could have jumped on this podcast with me for this specific topic, you were the first one on here because your journey is incredible. You Thank know, you. and it, it's crazy to share stories with people now with mental health, because I couldn't have this conversation four or five years ago, I would have been completely to myself. And yep. now I've. We've managed to get over 1,500 people in a group, and you were there mm-hmm. since day one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So again, thank you. Thank you. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, so let's talk about therapy a little bit. Um, okay. So how did, how did you find the resources for yourself, and at what point did you feel comfortable to start looking for that help?
1: Um, well, first I'm going to say something about therapy, and then I'll share my journey. Therapy is not for everybody. I really want to indicate that I am in support of anyone getting help in the way that works for them. Therapy just happened to work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I um, am in 2012 uh, when my mental health recovery journey began. It began in a um, inpatient setting. Uh, I'd been in therapy on and off since uh, I think 16. Um, but, um, I was strongly encouraged by my family to go and just maybe get a look at things because of how I was doing and feeling and not doing, um, I left there referred to a therapist and that was 10 years ago. And I have had one ever since. Um, so I was referred to one, um, I was with her for seven years. I believe. And then I kind of switched maybe a little less, but um, the thing about therapists is I've had enough over my life. That's really important to mention that if you try therapy and it doesn't work, try a different provider. Um, I had a provider once that I went in and I would just start doing what I call emotional vomit, just blah, 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 blah. Uh, about how I was feeling and she would sit there on her little medicine ball thingy and just go "Uh uh-huh okay all right that's all I ever got out of her and I just kind of felt like I could have talked to a wall and got that that's that's not helpful right um and then I had to remember she's coming from her own place and maybe that's just where she's at and so we just amicably amicably agree not a good fit can you refer me to somebody else Um, and the other thing that's important for somebody uh, like me, who's been in therapy for quite a while, when you, you get to a point in your life where you might enter therapy because let's say you can't stop crying, can't get off the couch or some depression stuff. And three years later, that's not your issue right now. Things have changed, maybe other experiences, um, and maybe who you need to talk to about it needs to change too. Um, and I've always, been, I've always been able to say, you know, I think we've kind of reached all I can get out of you. Uh, no offense, no disrespect, but I, I kind of need to move in a different direction. Um, and I do think that that is pivotal in why I keep making progress because different set of eyes have been on me, different set of ears have listened. And um, some of the, the best therapists I ever had um, called me on my crap, called me on my crap. And I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm doing this. And I think that this isn't, and, you know, and he would say something like, can you listen to how you worded that? Can you make sure you are saying, you know, is that really what you do think of yourself? Like he just like shoved a mirror back in my face. And I remember early on, I was like, if I don't want to look at myself, I don't have to. And He's like, no, you don't, not at all. But when you're ready to make progress with that, let me know. Like he always just kind of, you know, was like, I'm here part. when you're, I'm here when you're ready. Yeah. Um, and for 20 years, I think it was 20 years. Um, I experienced something 20 years ago, and I had really made a. Li- I'm willing to process anything, but that wasn't going to talk about it. Not going to deal with it. Um. And then something came up that kind of triggered it and he was like this is an opportunity take it or leave it and i ended up processing it and it was like the best thing ever that changed so i am way into therapy i just it's i just want to be clear and specific that it's not like you look up somebody up and everything's great
0: right
1: um it is work it is tiring it is exhausting um but it is also can be uplifting and um, it, you know, and in in that another good example that takes us back to the language conversation. That's how I learned the words because I they would explain, well, this sounds like this, or have you thought about this? Or you know, I remember in one session we just got a thesaurus because I'm like I feel something I don't know how to tell you what it is, and she just pulled out the thesaurus. She's like, let's figure it out. So, yeah being uh just just figuring out on my own I'm just not the person for that right um I my mind can be my worst enemy so I I need somebody else with some tools to get in there
0: (laughs) you know you touched on something that I kind of want to bring up a a really good friend of mine um Victoria who has you know she she's my age she's 30 um (laughs) and she has gone through uh, many therapists as well Okay. when she just found her most recent one. You know, she was telling me, she's like, I just don't feel great because I've been through so many therapists and uh, you know, I just had not great experiences with almost all of them. And I told her, I said, listen, before you start any therapist, it's important to ask questions before you dig Mm -hmm. into therapy sessions. You know, you gotta, what kind of therapy do you do? You know, what do you cover in your therapy sessions? And I said, once you get past that first session, you immediately know if that person is good for you or not. Mm-hmm. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not at fault for going through different therapists. Cause like you said, there's many eyes on you. There's been many ears listening, listening mm-hmm. to your stories. And when you finally find that fit, everything just starts clicking. You know, yes. The, the, yes. How, learning how to talk to people, learning what your triggers are, how to express what you're feeling. To, uh, to whatever small circle of people you have and mm-hmm. you learn so much about yourself that you didn't know was buried there. Mm-hmm. So you, you being able to stress that you've been through so many therapists is, is super important because I just wanted to make a note to her that, you know, it's okay that you've gone through all these people. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their, their perfect match. You know, Jess was my perfect match. Your therapist mm-hmm. was your perfect match and, mm-hmm. you know, other people. So Victoria, whenever you do listen to this, I just wanted you to listen to that part specifically. Um, I'm really glad that you brought that up. So thank you, Tina. Uh huh. Absolutely. So I'm a really big fan of your artistic abilities.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> your positivity rocks, uh, just the art that you've been able to share with me and give to me mm-hmm. as gifts um have you always done art with rocks or was it something you taught yourself to help you cope in your healing journey
1: I was introduced to art therapy at 16 um when I was in um inpatient treatment um I remember to this day the first time I picked up a paintbrush I painted some little clay statue um which I still have um but I remember thinking what's the point, what's the big deal, whatever. And on and off, I did therapy. I think I've always painted. I've always, every now and then, just grabbed a canvas and painted. Um, there's an argument in my family because no one, none of us have a clear memory of when I got into rocks. Um, I, my, you know, there's like, well, did you find a painted one? And it was like struck a nerve or so um I think I ran into somebody talking about something and they mentioned it and I looked it up and was like oh I could do that and then um it became my new obsession so um right now um I try to paint every day I don't try to paint a finished project every day um but I try to paint every day um when I can, I do photography, I do something creative. Um, I can have days where the world is ugly,
0: yeah,
1: my world in my mind, my the world outside, uh social media just I can't find positivity or beauty, so the way I learned to deal with that was to create it myself. so when I feel bad, um I might grab a camera, run down the street i, I uh very scenic areas right down the street from my house and um, i might just go find something to take a picture of and just capture a moment where something was pretty um it's the end of the summer here and so all my summer photos are pretty much done and i did 42 oh, excuse me 4238 captured moments <laughs> wow. just the um, month of august no just summer summer, oh, summer. Of, okay i was yeah, like oh my months. god yeah, three months. You so it up to do. <laughs> well, I spend the winter organizing and sorting and deleting, and but in the summer I'm just full steam ahead, just get as many pictures as you can. Um, and when I can't paint or think of something or I'm not feeling something, I will just paint a background for later. Um, a very valuable person to me, who happens to be um, in the mental health movement group said something to me once that has never left my mind. Um, I, at times in my life have struggled with thoughts of self-harm and they explained when you wanna pick up something that's harmful, pick up a paintbrush. And that has never left my mind ever. So again, again, the point of the, the more people that talk, the more other people can do better. Absolutely. Just, I, that had never occurred to me. Um, and I can tell you if I have to go two days without painting, I can feel it. I can feel right. it. And I'm like, I, I, gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta do something. Um, and usually it's what, what would I need to see to feel better? Right. Do I need a quote? Do I need a picture? That's why I like to tattoo the rocks because it's just a way to bring something black and white to life. Absolutely. So, um, and my daughter um, is uh, the tattoo queen of ordering. She just walks around one day. And she goes, oh, hey, mom, I got you some tattoos. Or, <laughs> hey, mom, I got you some paintbrushes. So um, I don't I don't know if I consider myself artistic, but I guess I'm creative.
0: You're artistic.
1: Um You're absolutely artistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, say you. I'll
0: say it. I'll say You're artistic as hell. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, so um, that uh, kind of blossomed into a lot of canvases wood uh even like kitchen tiles I just I'll I'll paint almost anything um and it just it's a way to get good in my face and bad out of my mind
0: absolutely and and you know one of the positivity rocks that you gave me I believe is when we hit a certain number on the podcast I remember you telling me that a semicolon formed on the back of it
1: and yes. I thought that was the
0: coolest thing in the world. Um, give me two seconds. I have it right next to me. I'm gonna grab okay,
1: it. Okay, a problem.
0: Literally two seconds.
1: <laughs> so
0: this this little nugget right here, yes. it was a yes. 900 member uh, rock mm-hmm. that you gave me. And basically it formed a semicolon, which for, for my listeners, if you in case don't know, it's a suicide awareness uh, tattoo, basically saying that the author uh, kept the story going, that I decided not to take my life and decided to keep going. So this is the awareness for it. Mm-hmm. So I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of your art. I love it. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. Every time I see you post a rock or anytime I see you take a picture, it's like, mm-hmm. I have such cool friends. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's, it's interesting that you brought up the, the self-harm paintbrush thing, because that's actually something that uh, counselors uh, teach people uh, who are, like, big on self-harm is they'll say, okay, grab a marker, and instead of, you know, instead of a blade, mm-hmm. trigger warning, guys, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. instead of a blade, take a marker, and it's the same, same type of uh, sensation in the back of your mind. You're feeling something on your skin, so... It's, it's awesome that you have that quote in the back of your head and that it mm-hmm. uh, reflects to you uh, in, your, in terms of your art. So I, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so one question I wrote on here for you that I was curious because I think with where you're at right now in your journey of healing and uh, just everything in life, if you can make anything happen in the mental health community to make it better than where we're currently at, what would it
1: be help people younger yes that's it that is it when i read that counselors are taken out of junior highs i cried and i'm just like that's you're you're missing you're they're missing help because so much suffering would not happen Agreed. or at least not at the degree that it happens because you're teaching people younger that they have choices other than to suffer. Yeah. And I did not feel that forever. And that, I don't mean, um, I felt like I didn't have any choice to suffer only because I myself and maybe the people around me were ignorant about mental health. Um, I just didn't know there was another option. I didn't know there was another um, way to feel, way to think. You know, you talked about language, speak life in to children, speak, speak, you know, when you're a teenager, your body has a lot of control over what's going on with you. Um, But to know that you have at least some say in maybe a mental thought process about something. Um, You know, like, I still to this day have horrible test anxiety. Um, But you know, like back then it would have been really great if all the teachers had a stress ball or some Play-Doh or something I could have squeezed or, or played with, or just to kind of keep my mind busy. Um, That kind of little bit of help might, I might not have it now. And, you know, it took me, you know, find other ways to deal with it. And it's just like, I remember being in high school, which was significantly before you (laughs) Um, (laughs) were. And I remember like maps on the wall and um, directions to the fire escape. And I remember taking my son into high school and all these things were on the wall, like, you got this, you can do this, you know, help us around the corner and certain classrooms were safe zones if you were getting bullied and I'm just like okay this one talking about this is an environment where it's okay as they say it's okay not to be okay um it was just it's such a difference um but a lot of adults um like us refer to childhood trauma because it happened in childhood so where's the childhood help? That's what I would change. That's what I would change.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. When, Mm -hmm. uh, the first, when I was 14 was the first time I tried taking my life. And I remember everything after that happened. Everything fell just like dominoes. I got tackled to the ground by a resource officer I was put in outpatient uh like facility for uh it basically got Baker active, but it was outpatient. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I remember the the counselor that I ended up seeing. She was a counselor for addiction. Like she was Mm -hmm. uh she was an ex-gambling addict and they had her as my counselor. Now that was 2014. I couldn't imagine now how different it is. I, I would hope it's a lot different now because she didn't do anything for me. It was just kind of a, oh, well, hopefully you'll feel better tomorrow kind of thing. Like she was absolutely no help. Like getting help when I was a kid was a joke because like you said, the language back then, you had to be careful what you said to people because you told somebody, oh, you know, I don't want to be alive anymore. I don't want to be here anymore anymore. Back then, they would institutionalize you. They would shove pills down your throat. Now, when I walk into a doctor's office, and this threw me off. So, when I finally got insurance through Tech Data, my current job, I booked my first doctor's appointment in probably like 10 years. And that was a mentality I had in the back of my head because my dad had this like chirping in the back of my head saying, you know, I don't go to the doctors unless I need to. I don't go to the dentist unless I need to kind of thing. And that was the mentality I was was in when I was living in his house. You know, growing up Mm -hmm. was always like that after 18. So when I first started doing my application, my first checkup and everything, I remember on the the application form, it asks you, you know, are you depressed? Do you have depression issues? Have you thought about uh, taking your life? And, you know, I remember what I checked off and the doctor read my answers back to me. I was taken really off guard because it wasn't like that when I was a kid. They didn't ask those questions. She asked me if I had a therapist. I'm like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to therapy now. It just, it blew my mind because just incredible where we're at in, mm-hmm. in society with doctors and therapy and all that stuff, because mm-hmm. for them to go out, I don't even want to say out of their way for them to finally realize that suicide and mental health and all that stuff is a problem that needs to be addressed is incredible. You know, I, I'm glad that you have the resources you have to get where you are and vice versa for myself. So I think all of those kids should absolutely have the same resources that I have. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying let's give kids shock therapy at 12 years old, but, you know, make sure that kid knows that it's okay to feel the way that they're feeling. What if you have a 10-year-old kid or an eight-year-old kid like I was who parents just split up or had a family member pass away and they don't know how to process that? Yeah. When you look up the suicide rate on age groups, kids are higher than they need to be it should be 0%. but we're in a society where social media is so toxic and kids are so mean because those resources aren't there. so i 120% agree with you that kids should have those resources. and i'm glad that uh you recognize the same because not a lot of people will speak up for kids and mm-hmm. it's sad. even as parents i don't i don't see as any of that support. Like, like like
1: a quote I read once where it said, be who you needed when you were younger.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's Mm -hmm. something that my therapist said to me probably like three or four months ago. She's like, you're being the parent for those that you wish you had when you were growing up. And I started, and I broke out into tears because I've never heard Mm -hmm. anybody say that to me because I'm not going to sit here and pretend like my parents were the worst people in the world, but I was mentally and emotionally tortured by both of them. Mm -hmm. And it has progressed to now. My dad's a little better than he was when I was growing up, but my mom, you know, vicious, still to this day, absolutely vicious. And it's something that has stuck in the back of my mind. Jessica saying that to me was you're being the parent for those who didn't, or that you wish you had when you were growing up. And it just mm. blew my mind because that language, mm. just immediate trigger that sent me in tears.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. <laughs> now, now that we've laid the groundwork on that, I'm glad we feel <laughs> the same on there. Um, okay. So I know that you have a blog and yes. super excited to talk about it. So <laughs> Are you working on anything, uh, any current mental health projects, whether it's your art or on your blog?
1: Yes. So um, mental projects is a shorter answer. So I'll start there. Um, I have been working uh, trying to find an agency in my community. I want to create a mental health rock garden um, where when people come for services, if they don't leave with feeling better, a resource, if there's, if there's still something they need on their way out, there's there's a positive message there, there's a resource there, there's something. Um, and I, I want to create that in a type of agency where people um, come in needing something, and at least they would leave with something. Right. Um, I am still in progress. I've been working on it for about a year. Um, but I think that if you're brave enough to walk in, at least they'd be, they'd have some, they'd get something out of it, even if they don't get what they needed. Right. Um, I've also been dabbling in painting how I feel, not necessarily like a tree or um, stuff like that, but like grabbing a canvas and making, um, uh, creating what I feel. And I know it won't always be positive, and that's probably why I'm kind of shying away from it still. Um, But I think it's important to give a face to what I feel. Um, I learned a project I did once um, in inpatient treatment was I had to make a collage of what depression looked like. And I did it, and it took a lot of the fear about it away because I could see it. Um, so I think if that's another way that I can grow with my mental health is if I can start seeing what I literally feel,
0: yeah.
1: um, my blog, um, <clears throat> right now, what I did was I had this need and what I wanted to create was a place that no matter how someone was feeling, they could go to if something positive was there. So I ended up creating a website that my blog is on um and i named the website the lucid mind warrior because i wanted it to symbolize that i'm i'm still fighting to keep a clear mind about everything that i'm going going through and that i've been through and so i created it and then i put some of my photography on it somebody might just need to see something you know i live in a place a lot of people save a lot of money to come visit and see things so i put some things from here on there um there's a page of all resources across the nation because I don't know who's dealing with what, and obviously um i I haven't been through everything, so I want to make sure people can get to where they need to get to um and then there's my blog where I start talking about my ten year journey to healing um, one kind of like your podcast, you know. Depend like this. This was an easy subject because it's September Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, so we could you know kind of ride with it. But I'm kind of pulling out of not knowing what's the next thing to talk about because I have a list. <laughs> um, but I'll run across somebody, I'll read something, I'll hear something, and I'll be like, I need to talk. I've been through that. Yep, that triggered something. I need to write about that. Um. So. Um, One of the things I wrote about is I called it an emotional tackle box of just the things I have around me that Mm -hmm. keep me going, keep me in a good place, uh, can ground me, um, stuff like that, because I just, it's simple things, but they keep me from going, things from going to very bad, dramatic places. And, And it doesn't matter if no one else understands, I understand. And it's what works for me. And like I said, I just really hope just a piece of something I share helps somebody get through to their next day or their next moment. Um, One of the ones I'm proudest of is called amendment. And I talked about how um, the approaches to men and men seeking mental health needs to change and uh, conversations, again, language needs to change. Um, not just what's said to men, but what men are allowed to say back. Um, so I, I talked to some men in my life and I kind of did a composite of what they said and what they're dealing with and what how they deal with it. Um, and I really enjoyed that one of the answers wasn't therapy because I like, again, I said, I really want to emphasize it's not for everybody. Um, so I talk about... Um, The pivotal moment when I started getting help, and I stayed in therapy, um, and how I really had to take a journey through my past to get to be okay in my present.
0: Right, and it's that's something that I'm really glad you brought up was the men's mental health uh, part because I feel like as a guy myself, I know firsthand that. We're looked at at like we're supposed to be the strong ones. We're supposed to bear every struggle, every argument, every, you know, whatever it is. We're supposed to be the rock no matter what. Doesn't matter what gets thrown on us. Doesn't matter how much you stack on top of us. We're not supposed to crumble. And society has created this notion that when we crumble, we're considered weak. We're considered uh, being sensitive is a bad thing. And excuse my language, were were looked at as a pussy. And it's something that I have been very passionate about speaking my truth of being a man, of how I've always been looked at. I've been bullied since I can remember because of how I look, because of how I carry myself or expressing how I feel about certain things. And it's something to this day. Being a thirty-year-old man, I still experience that I know who I can't talk to talk to about certain things because they're macho men and they don't talk about their feelings. And mm-hmm. I know there's certain people that are men that I can talk to, like Caleb, for example. Caleb is one of my best friends. He is a brother to me, and uh, for a while. You know, before I really started digging into this mental health journey and, you know, before he started coming along like he is now, it would always be a, you know, oh, well, look at it, try to look at it from a more positive uh, uh, angle. Try to look at it like this way, this way, this way. And now him and I can have those conversations like, listen, like that may work for you, but it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. We'll try to talk it, talk it through now because. I don't want to say he was one of those macho, macho guys because he wasn't, but he was at, he grew up in a generation where the mental health conversation for guys was what I was expressing, that we can't talk about it. We can't be sensitive. And I know that was something that he just never had to experience. So fast forward to now, him and I can have conversations about everything, Uh uh-huh. you know, whether mm-hmm. it's loss, whether it's depression, whatever. He has been there for me since I left New Jersey. Well, even before that, but we became closer after I left New Jersey. But uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate you being an advocate for men's mental health because I feel it's a fight that not many people are willing to fight.
1: Well, it's it. What kind of sparked it was when I'm dealing with things, when I'm having a hard time, and I would talk to a man in my life. Um, which could also include at a time I had a man therapist. Um, But my, my friends or whatever would say things like, Oh, I know that feeling. And I remember asking, like, why would you know that feeling? You're a guy, right? How would you? How would you know that? How would you have experienced that? And then I would ask, how do you know that? And then they would start talking. And that's when, you know, it clicked of, Oh, okay. So it's, it's, not just me as a certain type of person that feels these things it's it's even where I don't see it and it was kind of a window into a light of the feeling of me walking around knowing there's more to me than people see wasn't just me and that um I remember the first time I saw a man in my life cry and I just literally stood there like very uncomfortable and very unsure what to do with that, um, and that it absolutely was not normal. Um, and then I was—I uh, have a child who is um, on the spectrum, right—and isn't isn't uh, struggles with communication and stuff like that, but has a lot of feelings. And that's one of the ways I learned to accept, deal and understand and learn as we talked about the proper language to make sure that they were being heard and that I was being heard and that it was okay to be, to to express what you're feeling. Um, But also the lesson I learned from dealing with him was not just that it's okay with what you're feeling, but it's okay to figure out you don't want to feel that way. So again, it's, um, there is great value for everyone in men getting help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it is, it is not just for them. It is important for the women in their lives, the children in their lives, the, the, the other men brothers in their lives, um, because everybody's watching everybody. Absolutely, and if you see your friend be like you know what I need a minute I'm gonna step outside you see it's okay to pause and take a minute for yourself that's something you remember and it's not um it's again we always touch on how I'm, I'm older than you um I think about sometimes I, I don't know that I ever saw my male family members cry growing up I don't think I ever did and so I'm encouraged that conversations now happen about it.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm excited that um, there are ma- uh, over the moon that there are male advocates for mental health. I think that's the biggest way that the conversations and changes are going to happen.
0: Absolutely, and you know that's uh, that's a conversation I've had with Jessica. Uh, you know, I think around um, the first time or like the first couple sessions we had about uh, you know my mental health journey and everything. And she expressed to me, she's like, you know, we need more men in this field. You know, there's mm-hmm. not enough men that are in the mental health field. And again, it goes with that stigma saying that men can't be this and men can't be that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and when people think mental health, they think it's restricted to just women. And you know, obviously we're we're coming along where it's like, okay, men have these struggles too. And we're getting a little better with conversation, but it's still nowhere near where it needs to be. Because like you said, the men that get the help for themselves benefits their children, benefits the women in their life, benefits their brothers, and so on and so forth. And I feel what could have been if my dad were to be emotionally intelligent enough to realize that calling your kids names isn't the right way to raise a kid. You know, of course Mm -hmm. there's teasing and all that stuff. That's part of human nature. We tease each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you go to what I experienced being bullied by my father and being called every name under the book. What could have been if he had those resources when he was younger, you know, and now that he's turning 52, he's at a point where you're starting to see him, his brain is, or I mean, his Uh, thinking is becoming a little more uh not fragile but a little a little softer you know he's starting to feel okay
1: okay
0: i think he's finally starting to realize i'm like wow maybe maybe i should have listened all those years or you know maybe i should have treated xyz better and he's at the point where his kids are all moved out of the house and he's finally starting to soften up a bit so you know i can talk to him about certain things but i know what not uh to bring to him you know what i mean like
1: yes but you know that goes back to what we were talking about how getting people help younger all the men who were struggling were once boys who were struggling right so it's like if, if, if it's it's important that men make progress now and get continued support and encouragement we got to catch them before they're men. there's a quote and i can't remember off the top of my head it's from frederick douglas about it's easier to repair children than fix broken men something like that sure. but that's that's i that always stays in my mind yeah
0: you know it kind of goes with that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, it kind of goes along the same lines as that is once somebody is stuck in their ways and stuck in the mentality that they grew up with, it's almost impossible to make them go backwards. And, you know, some or people- forwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people just aren't susceptible. Su- success- oh my God, susceptible. Yeah, there you go, that mm-hmm. worked. Um, to advice or to be shown how to do something either more productive or a healthier way than what they've been doing. So, yep. you know, it's it's almost like speaking to a brick wall you know, either you got to accept somebody for who they are, like being where I'm at in my life right now, I've accepted my parents for who they are. You know, they're one, you know, they've done things to me that I've, you know, whatever it's in the past, but I know their mistakes. I'll never repeat the Mm -hmm. cycle they started. I will never continue. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's a learning process. I feel my age group we're still struggling with the speaking out about men and mental health stuff, but there's gotta be, there's gotta, something's gotta give, you know?
1: I, um, you know, I have to, that was one of the lessons I learned along the way that actually helped me make a lot of progress was I have to remember that while I could say things about, you know, maybe like, we'll say like a teacher who was critical of me, you know, wish they hadn't done that or wish they hadn't made those comments. And then as I progressed in my mental health recovery, I have to remember they were in their own and I might just caught them at the bat. They hadn't started helping or healing yet. And it's a matter of understanding that I, you know, I used to be mad that people weren't at a better level for me to deal with. And I had to accept that they're at the level they're at.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not about, anything other than me either accepting the level they're at and working with them or realizing the level they're at is bad for me and I gotta kind of gotta go yeah so um yeah I think it's everybody has the opportunity to grow I don't want to say everybody grows but everybody has the opportunity
0: yeah I feel like that that opportunity is always presented in front of somebody every day and most Mm -hmm. choose to either ignore those signs or just be like yeah I should do that but I'm more comfortable doing things this way. So, you know, it's either a learning process or they're just stubborn and stuck in their way. So, you know, I I just feel, deal with what you can, do your best always and move forward. You know, it's best to move forward. Um, So do you use your mental health knowledge um, and resources? Do you help them? uh, Do you help people uh, in your life with their struggles? Like any of your peers?
1: so um yes however with the disclaimer that i am not uh medically trained um i am a um i have taken the classes to become a certified dependency chemical dependency counselor okay um but i don't give advice um on stuff like that i am the resource queen i walk around tell anybody anything um if my you know my, you know, somebody calls I had a really bad day, and I'd be like, "Well, you could look this up. You could uh, go here." I definitely send. In, I I give out information, um, over advice, um, and I just kind of um remind people that there are people there who care. There's options other than what you're dealing with, um. But I. Put so much energy into my. I think the biggest way I impact other people that I've been told um, is what they see me do with myself.
0: Absolutely, and, and you know it's it's interesting. You said options over advice. I really mm-hmm. like that statement a lot because I feel and I and I said it in my last podcast that when you say you're there for somebody, most people mm-hmm. don't know what that means. Most people will be like. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just like trained to say, I'm here for you. But when that person goes to you, it's like, oh shit, I didn't expect you to come to me. Like, I don't know what to say to you. Mm -hmm. Options, statement Mm -hmm. you just said just blew my mind because Mm -hmm. when people come to you with a struggle, they're not, they may or may not be necessarily looking for advice. They might just be Mm -hmm. looking for, like you said, resources and Mm -hmm. being this Mainly the same type of person that you and I are, are 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 a fiend for resources, are a fiend for helping people, mm-hmm. and the, oh man, I'm just my my brain is like spinning with the options advice thing because I feel mm-hmm. that's something everybody needs to hear because not everybody's looking for your advice.
1: <laughs> yes, and so like one of the things I did, so I ended up taking the whole website I did, and I actually made pages on. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, because I want to reach whoever may need it. Absolutely. But I'm very careful what I put on there. I'm right. not telling anybody what to do. I'm yeah. not saying if you're not in therapy, you're never going to be better. That's not what this is about. But the whole options over advice thing, it kind of made me think on one of the, I don't know which one, I think it's probably Twitter. I posted yesterday about the people who ask me how I am and wait for the answer. Are the ones that get the genuine response. Anybody can ask me how I'm doing. Yeah. Doesn't mean you care. Yeah. Doesn't mean you don't want to know so that you have something to talk about. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely important. You know, I really, really enforce with people. I am not necessarily a professional. I'm yeah. not, you know, stuff like that. But I can help you, and that's one of the reasons why the resource page on the website is national it's nothing local on there. Cause I really want people to be able to find whatever they need for whatever. And it's just, I just, I really, I, you and I have talked about your story somewhat and my story somewhat, I would not give you advice. I wouldn't do it. I don't know your perspective. I don't know, I haven't walked in your shoes. I'm not a man. Um, there's so many things about you that I may not um, understand from my own perspective. And just because we have similar stories, um, we find a common ground in talking about them and creating spaces for people to to have opportunities and options. And that's what your the page is for you, your mental health movement page. People have the option to talk. People have the option to share. People have the option and I've seen it on there several times. I'm not looking for help. I just need to talk. Yeah. I need to vent. But my favorite option on your page is that people can post anonymously. That's my favorite. Facebook because...
0: it out of the park with that. I think it is probably the best feature I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, It's funny that you brought up the, you know, mentioning that you're not a a medical expert or Mm -hmm. you're not a psychologist and stuff, because that's something I had to like train in the front of my brain and remind people like, listen, like I can help you, but I, you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. I've had people come to me who are in a crisis situation. It's like, okay, listen, Mm -hmm. take a deep breath. You know, I, I want you to know that I'm here and everything you're feeling is valid. But I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. You know, if you need help, I can give you the resources. I'll even get on the phone with you, and I've done that for people. Uh I have called a crisis hotline for somebody with them on the phone, and it's it's stuff like that that I'm more than willing to do for people. But people also need to learn those boundaries with you. It's like, listen, like I don't have a problem listening to struggles at all, but there, there's certain people that just want to uh, vomit, um, word vomit mm-hmm. on there, and that's fine. But you know, if you're looking for advice or if you're looking for suggestions, and people are giving them to you, and then you run back to that same exact post and just say the same exact thing, it's like, listen, like boundaries. Like either you're looking for suggestions or you're looking for attention. And I hate using the word attention. I just, everybody that's listening, I just want to make it clear that. I'm not saying that what you're struggling with is you looking for attention. Mm -hmm. I've ran into people who will just post to post just for attention. And there are people like that in the mental health community who will not. And I repeat, will not look for resources to help them. They will constantly just uh, word vomit in the group. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with venting, but if there's people that are genuinely caring, like, Hey, I want to make sure you're okay. Uh, you know, if you need resources I can help you find resources, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking for medical advice, you're looking for a psychologist's advice, you know, there's, I just want to stress that point that we are not any of those. There might be Mm -hmm. some in there that Mm -hmm. could, that could genuinely help you. But I I just feel there's, there's that little like maybe 2% of people who will go in there and, and post just to post. And again, Nothing wrong with venting, but boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other questions that I had uh, written on here that I, I thought was interesting when I wrote it down because I know you have the blog. Um, and I think it'd be something really cool uh, for you. Have you ever thought about doing a guide of some sort to help others on your blog through your experiences? Like, like, for, say for example, example, uh, said person is having an anxiety attack, and you have like a like a uh, a guideline of what you should do to help that person with anxiety, stuff like
1: that. Are you asking about the person? Some something somebody can look up who lives with it, or like a family member, how to help them?
0: Uh, somebody who lives with it.
1: Okay. Um, have I put? Have I thought of like putting something on there? Well, what I did. I've thought about stuff like that, uh, quick kind of go-tos, like if you're feeling anxious, try this, mm-hmm. or if you, you know, sad, try this. I've thought about stuff like that. I wanna be very careful to not be giving advice. Of course. Because um, what work, you know, obviously what works for me doesn't work for everybody. Um, but I always, I, I'm trying to learn, which apparently I've, I've learned through writing. Is I don't get a lot of interaction with people. I do a lot of posting, but there's not a lot of talking back. And a lot of it could be that people want the fact that they're struggling with something and kept private. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, you know go on with their own name and say something or ask something. Um, so, have I ever thought of kind of making a thing? Um, not really. Um, I have a resource page, and I had thought about underneath of that, maybe writing uh, things that could help. That's why I did the blog about the tackle box. So it was kind of ideas of what I use to deal and why, like what has to be going on for me to use it. Um, And I touched on the fact that um, usually what grounds me or gets me better has to do with the five senses.
0: Yeah.
1: Usually something I smell or touch or C, or something like that. Um, So it hasn't really grown to that level yet. I think I've made it to 10 blogs. It's very early. I've only been doing it two months. Um, And I wouldn't mind it growing. Um, But I really felt it it was almost a pressure to just make a place of positivity for people to go. And just something can change for them that might get them to the next moment.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, uh, I think it's important to to note when you said uh, that you give people another place to, the, you know, another positive place for people to go to mm-hmm. that are struggling. Um, like we talked about, uh, I think, on the phone the other day, um, when we were in that suicide prevention rocks uh, page, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was supposed to do a blog with the Joshua York Foundation and put out my first blog that took like a month for him to approve And I remember I wrote a blog for him that took me probably like seven hours to write. Like there was just so much I wanted to put into it. Okay. So when I sent the blog to him three months passed by, he didn't approve it. He didn't post it. Nothing. So Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm the type of person that wants my, I want to have a platform and be able to share my story and help people because you know, my posts in their group was doing numbers You know, Mm -hmm. my first post that I made in there had over 900 likes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And whenever I decided, okay, I'm going to make my own mental health page because I want, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference now. I don't want to wait three, four months for my pod or my blog to be out there and maybe one person seeing it because they want to hide it or whatever. So when I made that, that group, I remember the admin of their page um, removing me from their blog and basically got upset with me because I made a mental health group. My response to her was, I thought we were all in this together. You know, what difference does it make if I have a mental health group and you have a mental health group? And I just kind of feel like those are the type of people that look look into that that community and see how it benefits them in some way. Mm. So it's good to see that you know, people like you and I can make those platforms for other people that, you know, in a sense, people can feel heard and people find those uh, positive places that they can visit and help themselves. So it's, it's good to see that you did that blog. I was super happy when you made it.
1: Yeah. And that's an important, uh, an important point for people to help themselves. It's not, you know, message me, let's get through this together. It's not, you know, uh, you're having a hard time, give me a call or send me a message. And it's like it's just it's it's a site of empowerment. Yeah. And my blog ended up with no name. <laughs> um, so far, I had a name for it, and I just it it just wasn't something that a lot of people received well. Yeah. But I've always wanted to refer to it as a kaleidoscope. Um for two reasons. One is things that a kaleidoscope as a child, is a toy is a bunch of things that are broken but are still beautiful and i really wanted i thought that was symbolic for people like us yeah um but i also learned that kaleidoscope is actually what you call a group of butterflies and everyone dealing with things you know go through a chrysalis stage we all go through something that we we get to a point we're worn down we 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 you know get taken down by some things lose control or whatever and we end up going through a process and coming out of it more beautiful so that's kind of my word it's not the name of my blog but it's my word yeah you know and i am proud to be um part of a kaleidoscope of people who you know went through the fire came out the ashes and we went back in yeah we went back in and who needs help out of there, who needs whatever. Um, and so I'm just really proud to be part of I've referred people to the movement, uh, the the Facebook page. Um, I uh my uh the blog, uh the website I made, I I had little cards made, like little business cards. And I've seen people, you know, sitting on the park bench crying. And I'll just walk over, hand it to them, and said there might be something on there for you it's not about necessarily promoting me or trying to do anything like that. It's just a matter of people need to know that there's help. Um, when I have, um, sometimes I, I get, um, like an extra burger or something and give it to somebody who's standing there on the streets or something. I'll be like, if you're having a hard time, look here. And it's just a matter of it's there if you need it. Yeah. And I don't even know if, I don't know. I've never gotten a lot of feedback if it's helped people, but it does not matter because it helps me and it's there. So, yeah,
0: you know, and and it's important that that we uh, expand our horizons when it when it comes to promoting ourselves and, uh, you know, just getting the message out there of, uh, you know, mental health. When I went to Publix today, a grocery store that's down here, um, people, uh, they were they were talking about my shirt. And, uh, and I told them, I said, you know, this is like a $40 shirt. And they're like, Oh my God, $40. I said, listen, it's not a brand thing. Like it's not because I thought this shirt was all super cool and I want to be flashy. I said, this is for suicide prevention. I said, you know, it has the suicide prevention number on the back of it. And it it goes through stages of anxiety. It says, trying not to fall apart. And Mm -hmm. when people sit there and read it, it's like, listen, like this is a message I'm passionate about. If somebody reads it, great. If not, that's fine too. But mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. it's always important to put the message out there any way you can. You know it's not necessarily yes. uh, I want to do this because I want all these followers. I want to do this to help
1: people. Yes, and the other thing is, like, as you know, I have one of the movement shirts, um, but if no one ever speaks to me, but I I purposely wear that shirt at like a big store like a Walmart. Because that's a lot more eyes to lay on it. And you're right. Not for numbers, not for notoriety, but somebody who saw it knows it's there. Yeah, Somebody knows. And also because if I'm the one wearing it, they know that there's probably somebody, if they're having a hard time, they could ask. Yeah. And it'd be like, what do you need? What's up? What, you know, what can I do? Here's a resource, whatever. Um, but just being seen. And, you know, and it's funny because I feel like if, the people, the peers who've been through it are seen, then the unseen will get there.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's so important to have your peers around you know what you stand for because eventually
1: mm-hmm.
0: they'll be the ones standing right by your side. You know, I, I've had people yes. who I haven't talked to since high school reach out to me and say, hey, I love your podcast. I love everything that you're doing. I haven't talked to this person in 12 years. And I got a message. Nice, from it's crazy. Nice, you know. Um, like I said, getting the message out there means more to me than how many followers I have. hmm Um, so I have a uh, final question for you for the night. Um, what does your art process usually look like? Uh, do you do them on your free time, or do you have uh do you have friends that you send them out to?
1: Um. <clears throat> all art happens at night because that's when tina can't sleep (laughs) um (laughs) i tried to do an art class once at like two in the afternoon and i was blank yeah i was blank and it's probably because all of the stuff from the day hadn't hit me yet Mm -hmm. um so so at the end of the day when everything slows down that the feelings come up and i'm like oh gotta gotta get rid of that um and uh, so that's kind of how the art press is just, I lay rocks in front of me, paint brushes, paint pens, and I'm just like, what do I feel? What do I need to get out there? Um, my art has now been around the world, um, which blows my mind. Um, I have people who live in parts of the country who will ask me, you know, send me some rocks. Art, and I'll ask them, do you want art or do you want motivational? They're like, I don't care, send me both and then they'll hide them for me um, because they believe that it's important. Um, <clears throat> another reason why I mentioned like the rock garden here, I want, I want it where it can be reached. Um, the art community, the rock art community in my uh, state is huge, huge. Uh, one of the pages has like 15,000 members. Wow. Of people just, you know, finding them doing whatever. Um, but a lot of the times some of the artists will say I'm taking a trip who wants me to go hide rocks where they are so um, I'll share a story with you where I had a rock that I did nothing but pour it right put a little glitter in it it was pretty whatever left it in a campground because I'm living a tourist state so I'm big in the summer because I really want my rocks to travel never heard about it wasn't worried about it a couple months later this guy posted oh by the way found this rock. When I was there, I forgot to say something. So that was probably two years ago. What? He lives in an RV and my rock has been through the country. I love it. He just, they sit it on the dashboard. Um, and then he was like, you know, you can send me rocks and I'll hide them where I go. So my favorite from him was I had a rock placed in front of the um, old faithful and it was just a butterfly. And it was just like, so amazing. Um, I was fishing and a lady came up and was like, can I have one of your, you know, can I buy a fish off you? And in Alaska, that's illegal. And I was like, no, but I can gift you one. She goes, you do that? Um, And she's like, I feel really bad. It's my, you know, my culture that you don't take something without giving back. And I was like, "Well, my culture is you give before you get. So I don't really know what we're going to do here. <laughs> so she was like, um, I'm saying in town, can I just, can I like, you know, meet you for coffee tomorrow? I said, sure, no problem. So we met up and she brought me candy and all this other stuff. I took her all this art um, and she was sitting there in awe. And this is a lady i had not met more than a day before. And she was like, you really need to keep doing this. This is beautiful. This is inspiring. And so I gave her some art to take back. One of the rocks I made her, just very, um, just simple stuff. But I gave her a rock from another artist um, as well. One of the rocks said, be kind, my motto, okay? If you can say something bad, you could have said something nice, okay? Um, it ended up in the Ukraine when the war happened. What? And he sent me this picture of it sitting on a ledge and knowing what was going on there and that my words of be kind in a beautiful way were there i balled i just i I cried
0: do you have a picture of
1: that huh
0: you have a picture
1: of that oh that's on my yeah that's on my page oh yeah
0: you gotta send that to me after this podcast (laughs) that is incredible
1: yes um i had one i left at a sign that says welcome to anchorage yeah and some lady posted it. it was a bird and some lady posted holding it in front of a ship she was about to get in uh get on in Norway so she's like the birds gonna travel I was like sweet so it's um it's just it's amazing to me I call them my rock angels the people who take my art and it goes other places yeah um and I know I haven't hit all 50 states there's some places where um but I, I will talk, you know, I'm not a, I used to not be, like you're talking about I've changed. I used to not talk to people. um. But if I see somebody that looks like a tourist, I will hand them a rock. I'm like, here, a piece of Alaska from an Alaskan. And they're like, oh, my God. And so, um, and I leave my art just around everywhere because, again, somebody might just need to see something beautiful. So it's it's what I do.
0: I am, like speechless with the norway and ukraine story that's phenomenal Uh uh-huh my god see i told you you're you're phenomenal you're incredible (laughs) i love it thank you i i'm so grateful to have met you i swear to god inspirational that's that's awesome thank you for sharing those stories with us that's great (laughs) you're welcome um So at the end of every podcast, I usually read a quote at the end, but I'm going to do things a little differently since uh, since it's Suicide Prevention Month. Um, I just want to remind all my listeners, um, the 988 number is uh, available and has been highly successful. Um, You can text it if you don't feel comfortable calling. Uh, It's similar to the crisis hotline, uh, just maybe a little different um, in terms of, uh, you know, what your needs may be. Um, So, again, that's 988 if you guys are feeling in need. Um, I just want to stress this message every podcast. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. Just know that you don't have to fight through any of this alone. And I just want to give another special thank you to you, Tina, for being part of this podcast. Um, It has meant the entire world to me. Um, Where can people find you on social media uh it doesn't have to be your personal maybe maybe your your blog oh
1: well the lucid mind warrior is the is the the website that's got everything on there it has links to that under that name it's on twitter it's on instagram and it's on facebook and then the website's the best place to go because links to all of it is in there so if you can just remember the name lucidmindwarrior.com is the website you'll find everything else on there
0: and I'll get that link uh-huh. for you to post it in the podcast description for everybody
1: too. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's all the where to find the art. Even my rocks are on there. Perfect. Um, but you said you closed out, you know how you closed out uh, saying, you know, um, about the resources. Yeah. Um, if I could give a closing thought. Absolutely. Um, the closing thought, I guess I would leave with is this. It's not just that there's help. You have a right not to live suffering.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, One of the quotes I heard that's had the most impact on me was from Mel Robbins. And she said that happiness is your birthright.
0: Yes. You have a
1: right to be happy.
0: I love it. It
1: it just because it could be years, decades of trauma and negativity that you have a right to not live the way you're living. You have a right. And now, you know, you have people to help (laughs) you live the better way.
0: Well, thank you again so much, Tina. Um, Hopefully I'll have you on here again soon. Um, For all my listeners, uh, remember, you'll catch this episode on Tuesday of, uh, what is that date? That is the 6th of 2022, of course. Uh, Thank you guys again for listening. Um, Be well. And of course, as always, be gentle with yourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, guys.